Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? It's that time again. It is indeed. Another show, another week. Um, But yeah, we're cracking through them, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely excited about this week's show, but I always say that, so I guess I'm on form for being excited all the time. (laughs) Well, well, it's better than the other way around, Sam. Absolutely. And in this week's show, we could probably have spent an hour or maybe even two hours on this episode. It's about leadership with all the research that we did. And one of the resources that caught my imagination and the influences and for our thinking, I'll just share it straight away with the audience. It's by an organization called the Nobel Academy. And you can find them at nobl.io. And they were founded in 2014. And their mission is to be the essential partner for ambitious and compassionate leaders everywhere. So it's absolutely in our sweet spot to set the tone. And there's a quote from a Twitter post that caught my eye quite a few months ago now by uh, a woman called Emma Sexton. She's a design entrepreneur, creative strategist, speaker, and business coach. And she said, can I just say that all this new remote working is not the same as flexible working. Companies that are now remote working need to evolve to a leadership style based on trust so they can offer flexible working and improve the working lives of everyone. Yeah, well said. Yeah, she used the hashtag flex appeal and we, we had a great response to episode 34 about uh, mod marketers leading with compassion and strength. And that absolutely holds true today and will only continue to get stronger and become more apparent. And we noted the impact of Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, and some of the things she'd said there. So whatever your leadership style, it's, it's evident that building trust with others is such a fundamental behavior that has to exist. It's such a perennial component. Yep. Good point there, Sam. And I think actually it's interesting the fact that only 7% of the world's leaders, I believe, I read in a report last week, are, are women, speaks very highly as to how these are being brought up time and time again as sort of um, case studies and examples of modern leadership. And and if we define those characteristics of a modern leader, um, what do we need? A- agility, perseverance, probably a crystal ball at the moment, I think. Uh, that, that certainly is probably the most valuable one, I think. Um, but, but there was an article in the Harvard Business Review that looked at different characteristics um, that were required for modern leadership and taking an initiative, acting with resilience, inspiring and motivating others, bold leadership and driving for results. And all elements um, that were, were measured, uh, a review scored leaders on them. And, and actually, interesting enough, it scored women higher than men by between 3.5 and 7%, um, which, again, is fascinating when you look at those dynamics around um, actually the representation in terms of leadership. But irrespective of gender, one of the things that we've talked about is the fact that leadership is a package. It's the skills, the mindsets and behaviours that are required in order to deliver. And that's why we set up the Agile Marketing Action Plan as those three sections. Um, And it's worth referring back to a couple of the previous episodes, the growth mindset, the transformation mindset, um, because that certainly brings that point firmly home, I think. 
And and just to finish, Sam, I think there's a, a really interesting quote I read about a leader in the media industry uh, that stressed how proud he was of his co-workers. Um, and he said, I don't think I've ever appreciated my colleagues in this way before. When Corona hit, we all stepped up and covered for each other. We're all fired up by the greater cause and churning out new reporting faster than ever. We had to be brutally honest about our own capacity and energy. And I think a lot of those characteristics is, is stuff that will come on to cover in the, the six-point plan a bit later, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so before we do that, let's just quickly define what leadership is. And if you ask 100 people, you'll probably get 100 different responses. So for us, we'll go with the process of social influence. It's about aiming to maximize the efforts of others in trying to achieve some sort of goal. And like many others, we absolutely don't claim you need authority or seniority. You can lead from wherever you are with or without formal authority and regardless of tenure or title and or even age. A prime example that comes to my mind is Joy Bualam Winnie. She's an adept communicator and a computer scientist. And in her mid-20s as a student at MIT, she actually identified bias in algorithms in terms of race, skin types, and gender disparities in facial recognition technology. And in 2020, she's actually led the way to force Jeff Bezos, who's he, um, I think, you know, multi-billionaire founder of Amazon, to actually get him to back down on selling his software to law enforcement, his re facial recognition software, alongside IBM and Microsoft. While she's also founded a whole new field of academic research, created the Algorithmic Justice, Justice League, Fortune 2019 Top 100 Leaders, all under the age of 30. So bravo to her as shining the light on leadership in action. Absolutely. I mean, what, what a great achievement uh, so early on in the career as well. Um, so let's move on to that six-stage plan then, Sam. You're going to kick us off, aren't you? Yeah. So firstly, step one we're saying is to reset and redefine success. Leaders have to start by recognizing that there's just been this huge reset in the world of work. We have to have that front of mind. Uh, we need to understand what people need and what they're going through. And this blurring of life and work, this isolation and disconnectedness that's happening out there for some people. In fact, I read somewhere that it's the first time in modern and perhaps mostly developed societies that adults are basically employees, parents, and teachers at the same time. And only during COVID those three responsibilities all come together in the same way at the same time. And it's becoming clear that you need to keep people motivated, excited, and encouraged. But doing that has been reset. The ability to remain creative, to be collaborative, and to foster the best marketing, as you know, we're, we're very passionate about, that completely changed. And employees are having completely different experiences, some better, some worse. So as we think about this resetting, what we mean by success everyone has a role to define and inform that success and it's it you know in terms of what the standards should or could be but it's not that everyone has a say on everything simply there's just less hierarchy and less top-down nature researching this piece we i read a great article from mit sloan on rethinking performance management so as you think about the whole role of performance management make sure you know the difference between assessment and development what what are you assessing and what are you building capabilities behind so if you're uh, assessing people what systems are in place or what best practices are in place to build capabilities be it peer-to-peer -peer learning and sharing best practices you've got to set the right kpis and be mindful of what you're tracking and monitoring there's different schools of thought but i'm against this measuring how long people are logged in or attendance of meetings but you do want to track morale and engagement and refine those reporting 
sources of the data you're using, which workflows are going to be relevant, uh, how are you working, what's being automated, what's leading to professional development. And make sure you include new and relevant measures. So, for example, if, if there may be a positive impact on morale for people who aren't commuting long distances because they're closer to home, closer to their family. Another metric is transcription of video calls and video conferences. That's becoming a whole new workflow, which might impact return on iteration or version management. So you might be measuring that. You're definitely treating people as adults and masters of their own productivity and creativity. So you're level setting the work environment, making sure they have the right tools and equipment. And we're seeing more and more companies actually providing bursaries and resources to buy additional um, home equipment. You're going to continuously give feedback and commit to that, being transparent and absolutely doing everything in a real-time way. It's weekly or daily feedback and, and, and analysis and not an annual or quarterly lens to things, which is just so slow and old school. Yeah, that's good. Actually, I, I was reading an article uh, about uh, Netflix, the CEO, and uh, and he was saying about actually one of the most important things that they did was that they treated their teams as adults or their, their employees as adults in terms of giving them responsibility of their own production budget and uh, and therefore, you know, building up value mm, in a number of different cases. So yeah, totally get that one. Um, step two, Sam, I think on a sort of title, take a step back. Um, and here's the thing, you know, we talk a lot about changing tact at the moment or pivoting or diversification, but we also talk about knee jerking as well. And, and all of them actually describe the same thing, um, that change of direction. But the, the first three are seen as positive moves, whilst the final one is seen as an impulsive reaction. Um, and in this time, more than ever, we may need to change direction and reset goals. And it's the job of a modern leader, I would say, to, to manage that through. But what I would say first is take that step back. You need to smooth out the trends, understand the emotion and the objective response. And and something that um, you know you pointed out to me was this this point about demonstrating patience as well and that when leaders demonstrated and that's um, meaning their employees ratings put them in the highest quartile um, around of looking at patience um, the self-reported creativity and collaboration increased by 16 percent and their productivity by 13 percent which i think is a uh, amazing achievement really um and uh, we put the link in the blog uh, to those stats and the other element that's related to this about taking a step back is that ensure you're malleable and ready for that change and, and adopt a malleable approach rather than a rigid approach uh, we can't be aiming for perfection at this point in time when we don't know what it is so ask yourself these questions what can you control what is the action that you can take right now? Be clear where you're heading, how you're going to measure success, and then how will I adapt to the need to change? And then pause, reflect, and work out how you're going to communicate that to your teams. Um, I think that's a, you know, a fundamental point. Just step back and work out what the plan is before you dive straight in. Absolutely. That's that's a great one. And so building on that then, step three, we're calling show up. And I'll start step three with this. I am the one 
and it's not about me. And that's courtesy of Amir Gunnard from his Transformative Leadership book and his work. You can find him at the Transformative Leader podcast, and we'll put a link in the resources. Amir was a colleague of mine at Campbell's, and I used to sit in his office and listen to the stories he would tell of leaderships and the missteps he'd make, the mistakes and the solves that he developed with the team and his role in doing that. And that's why when I think of showing up, it absolutely starts with, I am the one, but it's not about me. So firstly, work on what's going on with you first. And Amir talks about the ABCs having them in order, your attitude, your behaviors, and how you respond and really um, feel about your circumstances. And and what image are you projecting into the future? And if it's all fearful and and, and really thinking about that, then that's actually what you're, you're emanating. So he talks about on a plane, if something happens, first thing, you would do is actually put your own mask on first. Obviously in COVID, that's kind of taken on a new meaning, but you Mm -hmm. you look after, you take care of yourself first before you try and help someone else out. So when you're showing up, you're listening. It's important for leaders to say they don't have all the answers. You invite other people to be part of the solution instead of thinking you have it all. As a leader, you're vulnerable, you're open. The mindsets we've previously talked about, You're really spending time to generate yourself intentionally. So that point about stepping back is so huge that Chris made before. You're putting compassion into action. And there's a story I love from Levi's and the CEO there, Chip Burke. And in February 2020, they actually introduced paid family leave for workers of about eight weeks. And the driver with this was Chip, the CEO, experienced really why it was so important because his wife's father was in intensive care and her mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so his wife was spending so much time traveling to China to take care of all of these people. And he stayed at home in California with his 11 year old daughter and thought, how the hell can I, can, can I, can I cope with this? This is too much. And he was, he said, I'm a CEO. I've got a massive support system around me. And it was so challenging to juggle it all. It really brought home how hard it is when one of our employees is dealing with this. So through that sympathy, that empathy, that compassion, he translated it into a new company policy in quick time, which was a great example of how you can show up in the right way for your employees and also for yourself. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Step four, build a diverse team around you. It cannot be full of one personality type or, you know, so disruptors, for example, or and any other ones. Uh, you know, and we talk a lot about disruption over this podcast series, uh, that provocation, that needling away of the industry or market, ripping up the rule book and, and asking why a lot. But one of the biggest challenges in business it can be managing people. So understanding how to handle different uh, personality types, including disruptors, is crucial. Um, and one challenge of that can be that it can change the whole dynamic and, and actually often disruptors for all the good that they can do can be disruptive. They can hold on to knowledge like power um, and show limited respect for sort of roles and conventions. Um, and the interesting thing is that the job of a modern manager is to help mold the team and turn those potential disruptors from an internal focus to external focus. Um, I worked with one once, I'm naming no names here, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant guy, um, overlooked for many a year because he was simply uh, disruptive in in a sort of a working context in terms of like how senior management wanted the organization to work. When he worked out that he could have a much greater impact by focusing that disruption on the outside world, his career just went from strength to strength and he, and he never looked back after that. Um, the, the impact was, was so great. 
So you, you've got to be careful. You've got to be aware of that fear of being able to handle and lead um, you know, diverse viewpoints and therefore ending up recruiting within narrow boundaries. Uh, sadly say, I, I still hear in offices um, that view about, I shouldn't say this, but I would like to recruit X for this role. And if you go with that preconception, then but you're, what you're going to get is a very, very narrow focus built in your own guise. And your job as leader is to bring innovation, creativity, and performance. Ten people in the same mold is not going to give you that. I've talked a lot before about BAME 2020 and the great work that organization does to bring diverse talent into the, the marketing communication sector. So work out what you can do then get on and do it. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And if I'm to build on that, one of the, the great ways to really think about and actually do build a diverse team is to focus on culture add, not culture fit. And that lens of adding to what you have, not just adding more of what you already have is a great lens to add to, to bring in diversity. There's also a great source from different communities or affinity groups, different constituencies. If you don't have them in your organization, you can seek them externally for your by geography or industry segment or local community. Uh, researching for this show, I've just seen too many lists of the top 10 or top 15 in leadership and 90% were male and mostly white. And it was just so frustrating that that's the, the default worldview that's out there. And so you just have to do more and search a bit harder and, and look a bit more broadly. And there's an Inc. magazine list of the 60 business and leadership books to, to read, which is curated by a woman called Rachel Happ. And we'll add that to the resources as well, because that was a great influence to, to this show. So building on that even further, step five, it's to encourage and develop the power of role modeling. And we've broken this out because... I do a lot of training, capability building work, and without fail, I see success coming from the senior leaders who actually roll up their sleeves and participate. They're actually present. They show up. They don't send their people off to somewhere and wait for them to come back trained. They actually take part and go through it with their people as well. And they show up when their teams are taking it or they, they go through their own version and so they can comment and add to what their teams and their, their organizations going through. Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, of New, New Zealand, she said, one of the criticisms I faced over the years is that I'm not aggressive enough or assertive enough, or maybe somehow because I'm empathetic, it means I'm weak. I rebel against that. I refuse to believe that you cannot be both compassionate and strong. And right now we see the Norway Prime Minister, Erna Solberg, the Iceland Prime Minister, Katrin Jakobsdottir, Germany's Angela Merkel, the leader from St. Martin, Sylvia Silveria Jacobs. They're all demonstrating the leadership traits we should absolutely emulate and advocate. And okay, just for clarity, I know you've got two guys on this show, so we're not creating a separate category of women leaders. We're simply ensuring that the inspiration and the knowledge and our role models are absolutely coming from all genders and all ethnicities. And we see an abundance of women who are doing this well, and they absolutely should be recognized now more than ever. An external example that's front of mind for me is Marcus Rashford. He's a 22-year-old soccer or football player I can relate to. He plays for my team, Manchester United. But he's a young black man who's really role modeling um, the best of us. He came from humble beginnings. And when he was younger, he suffered from um, lack of food, um, especially you know during school times. He was one of those people from low, lower income families. And they had to rely on, on help from other people to be able to help 
you know, feed the family. And he wrote a letter to the government and the government said no, but eventually the government did a U-turn in their policy on extending free meals for low-income families during the summer. I mean, I can relate to that as recipient of free school meals when I was younger and going to school as well. Now he's taking a step further. He's bringing together food brand giants to tackle child food poverty. He's signed up all of the top 10, if not all of the key retailers in the UK. And yes, he's a 22-year-old football player and he managed to convince the government to change their mind. That's for me, role modeling the right behaviors. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, he did a great job there. And he's continuing to do that using his platform, using his voice at that young age and really reframing how people think about those types of athletes. And it's great to see. Um, on a personal level, I'll again refer to Amir Gennard, um, a friend of mine who I used to work at Campbell's Soup. He, he, he says, we can all be philanthropists. Don't give to get. Simply right now, ask yourself, who needs something that I can provide? And it's just a great way to think about the skills and abilities and knowledge that you have and you can share and engage with others. Making that happen is a starting point of looking inside and not at others. So that's just another role modeling moment for me. Carla Harris, and especially a book, Expect to Win, taught me so much on how to be a better leader, better at leading myself, as well as leading others. There's Joy Boilamwini, who I mentioned earlier. And, and again, she's a recent addition because she uses art and her spoken word prowess to make the world of algorithms and computer science so much more engaging and actually leading change. Um, and what I've tried to do here is avoid listing personality traits that, quite frankly, could be subject to all sorts of bias and blind spots. So instead, the work is to identify those that have personal direct positive impact on you, people you know. You can also study the work and the words and and those who might inspire you and you admire from afar. So the actions are quite simple here. Just make lists and take notes, e.g. when I see speakers at events and conferences, I make a list and notes of what I can take away. Study the topic and get insight from diverse sources. As I mentioned earlier, there tends to be a male bias in so many areas. So the challenge here is to find examples from people who don't look or sound like you. Yeah, that's good. And and I must admit, just even reflecting on that, I think there's go-to sources that, that we all have. And it's, it's important just to stop and check and then find some new sources, credible sources as well. So um, yeah, I'm going to make a note for, for that for my um, next lot of research, actually, Sam. Step six, um, final step, major in coaching. Get yourself a, a coach, a mentor to stretch your thinking. And that unadulterated, pure, concise feedback for you on your terms it can be incredibly enjoyable and actually incredibly valuable. Um, when do you ever get that opportunity? When is it all about mm. you? And actually in that coaching session or that mentoring session, it is. So em- embrace that indulgence side. However, well, that is until they start asking the questions no one else dares to ask, which I think is a is a powerful part of it as well. But it's actually about a different perspective and opening yourself up to a different perspective. And you need to look out at the um, coaching relationship that you have as a manager, as a leader with your team as well. A big shout out for me to Adam Freeman here, who's just stepped down as CEO of Team Together, which was Freeformers whilst I was there. Um, I worked for Adam at The Guardian and again then at Freeformers. Um, um, when we worked in partnership on, at Facebook, he he absolutely embodies the, the coaching management style. When there was a tough decision to make, he would make it, but he would always 
use questions to help me either challenge my own thinking or alternatively improve his thinking before making a decision. And I know I'm not alone in, in thinking how impactful his management style was. I'm really looking forward to seeing where he ends up next. So here are some powerful questions to stretch yourself or teams, um, which I think apply in a, a number of different situations. Um, what's in the way? Just simply, how are you going to move those blockages? Uh, is this giving you energy or draining your energy? Um, is this a limitation? Uh, what's, the, what's the benefit of this problem? What rules do you have that are getting in the way? getting what you want? How long have you been thinking about it? And what's the first step you need to take to reach your goal? And which step would make the biggest difference? Just challenge your own thinking about that. You could apply that to any circumstance and and I think it, it starts to move you on immediately. Yeah, they're all great ones there, Chris, and some great thought-provoking but also helpful questions to help you think about getting the right coach, mentor or sponsor and then working through the challenges you have to be a better leader. Great stuff, Sam. So look, um, we always like to leave a, a listener with one thing to do tomorrow morning. Um, and for me, it's about having a look at who works beneath you, next to you, above you, around you and seek out some new perspectives but don't pay lip service to it, as you say, embrace them. And that means taking them on board. So, so look out for those diverse voices and, and how you can you bring them into your life. But Sam, time's getting on. I think it's been a um, packed episode this week. So you should give us the three takeaways before we finish. Absolutely, Chris. So the first takeaway is have a definition of leadership. Have a point of view, but know that it will change and evolve over time. Secondly, lead from where you are. Don't wait for it or expect it to be based on age, tenure or role authority. You can absolutely lead from where you are. And thirdly, to lead well requires agility, resilience and a commitment to putting in the work in the action plan we've talked about throughout this episode. Good stuff. Excellent, Sam. So so look, last episode of the, the season next week where we're going to round up the action plan um, re reflect on some of the points uh, that we've covered throughout and sort of try and bring all of that together into a summary. So uh, uh, it's going to be good just to, to put it finally to bed, I think, Sam. Absolutely. Really going to spend the time tying a bow around all of the Agile Marketing Action Plan and uh, leave you with... Which is still tipping off the tongue, isn't it? <laughs> it's absolutely for me, Chris. And we're going to leave you in a good spot to really put it into place and put it into action. So without further ado, Chris, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at Marketing Transformed show at gmail.com.